We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Fantastic episode for you today. I always love when, whenever, like, I, I used to be a big Conan O'Brien fan. Scott, I don't know if you ever watched, like, Late Night Conan O'Brien. And he would always start the show with, like, great episode. We had a great show for you tonight. It's like, and sometimes you'd be like, yeah, tonight's show, not not that great. Just, just, just average. And those would be the that's, ones I would be more interested in, frankly. <laughs> those are the, that's the, uh, that's the coming. That's the line every single day. You got to make sure that the audience uh, feels the confidence that you have a good show coming. So this one is, you know, I got to tell you, Logan and Ilya have uh, joined joined the squad the past week and a week and a half, two weeks or whatever, and uh, coming in coming in hot, coming in hot. Lots of data, lots of ideas, lots of uh, lots of shuffling around. So I'm um, I'm loving it, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about. Some different things. We're going to be mixing things up this year, and I'm um, I'm excited for it. Logan, you want to quickly unmute and say what's up to the people? <laughs> hey, what's up? Uh, Fantastic introduction. We're going to get him a microphone, so he's going to sound crisp and clear going forward. And, and it, we actually have – I did an interview with Ken Waldachuk, Yankees pitching prospect. He he's um, That'll be on the back half of today's show. Ilya, our other, our other team member, 
was on that was on that episode was on that portion of the show. So we got both the guys making their debut on this on this week's show. All right, let's start with the the news that number twenty one Paul O'Neill is getting retired this summer. This brought out the the take that many people have of the Yankees. That, oh, I thought it was already retired. Well, that, but also, oh, another number retired. What are we doing here? Too many Yankee number retired. They're gonna have to go to triple digits soon. Too blah 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 blah. Yeah, I get it. Okay. And I'm going to go through the list of Yankee retired numbers and we'll try and figure out which ones shouldn't be retired. And it's harder than you think. But I, Paul O'Neill was my guy growing up. He was my favorite player. He, he was the fiery passion. I loved all of it. He, he was my guy. Yes, Derek Jeter fan, blah, blah, blah. But like outside of that, Paul O'Neill is my guy. I, ha- I have no problem with them retiring Paul O'Neill's number. I think he has more of a case than some other guys from that era, frankly. But we said this when it w- came up with Todd Frazier and when there was some other talks about who, like, is uh, Garrett Cole potentially, w- didn't Garrett Cole, wasn't he potentially going to wear 21 for some reason or there the other? There were a few people. I remember the whole Frazier thing and it, essentially Paul, he was like, mm, no, right. n- no. And my take on the time at the time, and it's still my take, is that if the Yankees have decided not to hand out 21, they're unofficially retiring it, just officially retire it. Either hand it out or don't, but you can't just have it be unofficially retired because then it's just like a weird thing that always has to come up. So I'm happy they're doing this. Yeah, this is, you know, look, they're going to go that era of the 90s Yankees. You're going to see a lot of these guys um, celebrated in some way, some way uh, this this year and the upcoming years, too. There's been a drought (laughs) as in the Yankees lately. They need to tap into that nostalgia and make sure that people remember when we did win championships. So this is this is you know the timing of this. Whether it's uh, because it was you know, the unsaid retired number, they're, they're they're just they're they're slowly trickling. They can't do it all at one time. Got to space it out. Got to space out the nostalgia so that people feel the love. And uh, and that's it's it's Paulie's turn. So you know you have a note in here about Brett Gardner. <laughs> yeah, Brett Gardner's probably going to get that, it. So that was that probably going to be un. On the the unsaid retirement for 20 years. That was my uh, initial thought. It's like, well, Brett Gardner played with the Yankees his entire career, something Paul O'Neill didn't do. He was a similar emotional leader that O'Neill was. I don't know that he had, he he certainly didn't have the impact that O'Neill did, but he also didn't play on as good of teams as O'Neill. Even, I, I, I mean, I saw people saying like, oh, Brett Gardner's career war better than Paul. Paul O'Neill was a better player. Okay. Give me Paul O'Neill. In any given season over Brett Gardner's best season. Stop it with that. Paul O'Neill was a better player. And he was a clubhouse leader on a team that won four championships. Brett Gardner was the 25th man backup outfielder on a team that won one championship. So it's a little different, guys. But I do think Brett Gardner's number 11 is going to get retired. And when that happens, I will be on the other side of Chill, everyone. Just chill. We can't start going retiring everyone's number just because you like them. Some guys should just be invited back to old timers day, get a ra- get a round of applause, get a nice standing ovation, and cool. That can be it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if gardeners did not get retired. Uh, honestly, and and I think depends that how the team is he's... in two thousand thirty three. <laughs> well, he, I mean, it depends if he comes back and again and they win another champion i think he i think if he were tied to a second championship 
then you start seeing potential for for him doing it. Potentially if they won the 2017 championship because Gardner had a couple big moments in that postseason. Yeah. And if he had a, and he's a veteran player on a young team who's ex- excelling, that's a different story. If he story, was the starting narrative. left fielder on a World Series winning team in 2017 and he had a, you know, a couple big hits in the World Series, then then I could see it. But I'm I'm sorry, you don't he, he was not a big piece of the 2009 championship. He was on the team for eighth inning defense, okay? So like And and frankly, the Yankees don't want fans to re- because this is a big piece of this. Don't forget this. This is a big piece of this. And the nostalgia piece is taking us back to championship baseball, the team that everybody loved for a, a decade, essentially. Who wants to remember the decade that Brett Gardner was here? Nobody. Nobody wants to remember that decade. There was nothing, nothing happened to that decade besides the people leaving. What yeah, oh, I was <laughs> gonna say, what do you that's think? what happened? I was gonna ask you, what were their 2010s defined? What will by? they be known for? And obscure, the- weird teams. And uh, and farewell tours. Yes, That's I was going to say farewell for. tours. Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, like and Vernon Wells. Those guys, yeah. <laughs> Vernon Wells. Those guys <laughs> leaving is how the 2010s will be remembered. Unfortunately, because they didn't win a title. Yeah, and so far the 2020s are not have not been off to a good start. But my, I was. I think you missed my my joke when I said it depends how the team is in 2033. I didn't mean because Brett Gardner is still going to be on the team, although who the hell knows. No, I mean this year and potentially winning a championship is what I meant. Right. I didn't. I did not think that he would be on the team in thirty-three. Although a one-year deal, one-year deals, baby, he's going to be way, all the way, all the way to uh, another. He's going to be what fifty-something years old. Probably going to be still <laughs> be in tremendous shape. He's going after Brady. He's going after Brady. And the how old Brady when you retired? Forty-five. I was joking that because if the team is doing poor, they need asses in seats. They retire some guy's number to get. To get yeah. the uh, the old but again, like you're going but back Brett, to a time where nothing Brett happened. Brett Gardner's so not going to move the needle so on that. So I'm going to run through the retired numbers, and I want you to stop me, Scott, when you think someone should not be retired. Okay, number one, Billy Martin. Number two, Derek Jeter. Three, Babe Ruth. Four, Lou Gehrig. Five, Joe DiMaggio. Six, Joe Torre. Seven, Mickey Mantle. Eight is Yogi Berra and Bill Dickey. Nine, Roger Maris. I thought you might stop me there. 10, Phil Rizzuto. Okay. Uh, uh, 15. I love Scooter. Are you kidding me? 15, Thurman Munson. 16, Whitey Ford. 20, Jorge Posada. Okay. 21, Paul O'Neill. 23, Don Mattingly. 32, Elston Howard. 37, Casey Stengel. 42, Mariano Rivera. 42 is also retired, obviously, for Jackie Robinson. 44, Reggie Jackson. Okay. Reggie Jackson's okay. interesting to okay. me. Okay. Okay. I thought you might stop me at a couple others, but Reggie Jackson is one too. That it's like if we're gonna take guys off, Reggie is one of the first to go, even though we Reggie all Reggie Jackson Reg- is interesting to me because Reggie was not here for a long time. Reggie had impact moment, like big moment, obviously. But if you look at the 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 pattern of a lot of these players, they're definitely I, I know what you're saying with Maris as well, but I, it's hard for me to speak when, you know, beyond my years, sure. not watching the players, not, not that I, uh, not that I watch Reggie Jackson either, but knowing, knowing the the history of the Yankees and Reggie Jackson and, uh, the other teams that he played for and the success on other teams as well. And going in the hall of fame as different team. So like the guy is, I, I could see how that one is, uh, could be controversial, Although you ask people who watch him in that decade, like doesn't seem like very many of them have a problem with it, which I I start lending to like, okay, I get it. I didn't watch him play. 
So it's hard for me to speak on that. If the, if the, if the people that were of that, that, um, of that era that watched him play every day as a, as a New York Yankee when he was in the uniform and have no problem with it, why, why should I have a problem with it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Kind of like the Hall of Fame argument. If the people who watched them play during the time say they're a Hall of Famer, then then I got to go with that. I can't go on his baseball reference page to tell you if a guy's a Hall right. of Famer from 30 yeah, it's years out of, ago. There's no, the, the context is important. For, for me, baseball, context is very important. And I think too many people get lost in the numbers and like just the just the the numbers of how many games played or, or you know, impact uh, upon, upon a season. Like the, the context matters. Well, so uh, interesting you compare him to... Roger Maris. I think if you're just talking between those two guys, Maris has more of a case than Reggie. You break the single season home run record, the home run record that Babe Ruth of your own franchise held. That is a historic baseball moment, a top five baseball moment in the sport. I'm sorry, that that warrants you more than a couple big postseason. So was Reggie's runs. three home runs. No, I I understand that, but like if I have to pick one of those guys to go, I'm picking Reggie over Maris. Uh, and if speaking as a 33 year old who didn't watch either of them play, okay, so whatever. Yeah. And now isn't Reggie with the uh, the the Astros now too? So you know, is he? Oh right, he is He's doing some some special coordinator yeah. role with the Astros. Yeah, yeah. Reggie yeah. Reggie was ship. one of those guys who played on a bunch of different teams, had an impact on a bunch of different franchises. Yeah, he's a legend in the sport, no doubt. But I think that's a question. He's in the Hall of Fame as an Oakland A, right? Yes. Number 46, Andy Pettit. Number 49, Ron Guidry, and number 51, Bernie Williams. So again, like Paul O'Neill kind of rounds out that era, unless unless they were to go with uh with Tino next. I to think me, David Tino, Cohn would be next. You don't think Tino's gonna be on the list? I think if you're going next on the list, well, I, I guess it you, should stop at yeah. Paul O'Neill. Okay. If it goes beyond Paul O'Neill, then I'm gonna start to, you know, have to have some problems. But I think Cohn would be next after after O'Neill. Cohn came over before Tino. He he was he made an impact in 95 even though they didn't win. He was a clubhouse leader, not that Tino wasn't, but Cone was like a player rep for for the union, okay? So he was like a very he was a person who was very on the on the forefront of, of representing the Yankees um players and he had the huge World Series moments in World Series moment in 96. So if, if a number's next it would be Cone, but Cone should not be retired. I, I mean, I agree. O'Neill's a little questionable. I think even Posada's a little questionable. And frankly, Andy Pettit's a little questionable. But I have no problem. But if you also have to look at the number, right? The number 24 is a tough one to retire at this point, I think, for, for Tino. It could um, be Robinson Cano. Yeah, it it's a it's a tougher number, I think, to retire. And Cone 36. 36. Did he wear 22 at one point? No, he was with a... Clemens wore 22 for a little... See, that's another guy, okay? So if Clemens was not ostracized from baseball, he'd have his number retired by the Yankees. Uh, for sure. What's the difference between Clemens and, and Reggie Jackson? Right? Uh, steroids? No, but but what I'm saying is, <laughs> as far as, you know, the whole... The whole the entire the entire looming no, no, steroid no, my, allegation that's over his head. My point of my point of getting shot up in the ass on in a field, bathroom stall. I don't know. On field, very similar. C- came over at a later point in their career, very well known in the sport, made a massive impact in, in on playoff World Series championship teams, and then left. That is it's like what Roger Clemens did on the pitching side is exactly what Reggie Jackson did on the offensive side for the Yankees. So so I, I think 
if if shit didn't go sideways for Roger Clemens in the whole steroid era, he'd have his number retired. Okay, talking about steroids, Andy Pettit admitted to do, to doing PEDs, and his number's out in Monument Park. Hey. He apologized. Hey, he's a nice guy. He's likable. It's a nice guy. It all comes back to are you likable? Everybody is like, oh, yeah, I understand it. He's a he's a he's a man of God. Yeah. You know, you gotta forgive Andy Pettit. It all comes back to if you're likable. So I mean, it's just the thing is, yes, I agree. There's a shit ton of numbers retired by the Yankees. But when you go down the list, there's only a couple that you might remove. And I have no problem with them being on there. We'll see. But I will say number 22. Is um, Jimmy Key? Jimmy Key was uh, was was a was a. He that's was, not he the was first a, number twenty two. He was a ray of hope. He was a ray of hope, is what he was. As was Roberto Roberto Kelly, who got traded for Paul O'Neill. Roberto Kelly was actually one of my favorite players as a kid, uh, because he was like, you know, two eighty hitter, gritty, played decent center field. Like he was one of the guys that was like again a ray of sunshine in a in a in a in a Yankee world that did not have very many. Rays of sunshine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Number 13 is not going to get retired by the Yankees. Uh, I bet some people out there would like it to get retired, A-Rod's number by the Yankees. I have, don't think it has any chance, but this is kind of a segue into when Aaron Judge did the R2C2 podcast last week. He talked about how he wanted to change his number from 99 to 13 after after A-Rod left, and CC Sabathia talked him out of it. 
CC Sabathia, that is a top three contribution to the Yankees organization that he has made <laughs> in his time with the Yankees. Number one is the 09 championship. Number two is, uh, I don't know, just being freaking awesome. And number three is talking Aaron Judge out of a horrific decision. Yeah, way to not thank. Thankfully, he did not follow suit here and just like fall in line with a lower number. He's he deserved of anybody who who would be a number ninety nine. It's that man. So no, that was a, a a very good decision. He did not need to fall into the obscurity of uh, of of the the number thirteen. And you know, you're attaching yourself to someone you don't want to attach yourself at that time. You just there's no reason for it. Stay at ninety nine. I'm glad it happened. I'm very glad it happened too. And I think if if we're talking about retired numbers. If Aaron Judge gets the contract extension that he that he alluded to, and the they Yankees win a championship, ninety nine is a number that we might, in twenty years from now, see see retired. But he was asked point blank on the pod if if what's it you know what is there going to be a contract extension? He said he prefers to sign a contract extension whenever spring training starts. He says, "quote I've been lucky enough to play in the best organization out of all of them, so who wants to go anywhere else?" If it doesn't happen, and this is my last year, I've had a lot of great memories. I'd be completely honored to wear pinstripes for a couple more years. That was his quote on the matter. It just that's it feels weird for the the couple more years comment. I mean, look, he, he does the he does the very very prototype response of Aaron Judge, where he takes a beat, does that smile, acts like it's an awkward thing, understanding, but it's, he knows it's coming. It's very Jeter esque in the way that Jeter would always, you know, uh, collect himself. Then respond in the in the mannerisms, um, and and then he would just give uh, you know the typical answer. But as well, he he's right. He's got an agent for these types of things. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Yankees aren't typically going out extending players unless there's arbitration years that they can buy out. So this is something that's definitely bucking a trend in what they do. Um, but I agree, they should do it. They should do it. Put it to bed and and sign the man. Do you think the whatever they're tax number ends up being after the lockout is going to have any impact on a contract extension if a contract extension no i think it'll impact other players signed potentially if if they do get a deal done but no not this year at least so jj uh of george's box pod has been dying on the trade aaron judge hill for like three seasons he and he went on it again on twitter the other day his argument is that juan soto is going to be a free agent in a couple years so the yankees should trade judge for some prospects or some guys that can help him out this year and then sign Juan Soto. That that's his plan. Trade him for for what? A year? Well trade him, yeah, trade him this year and get get I don't know. I mean, get I guess you'd back. use well, you'd use the Mookie Betts as a comp. Yeah. The Red Sox got Verdugo and a couple prospects. I mean, that's not nothing. Verdugo's their starting it's not nothing, starting left but they're also they should resign. No, I mean, get, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, this team doesn't have a chance to win a championship without Aaron Judge. So I, I almost don't care about 2026 at this point. They need to win a championship with this roster because then it's going to have to you're going to have to reset. You have to win a championship this year or next year when Garrett Cole's still elite and Aaron Judge is still in his prime. That's you have to. And and John Carlos Stanton. Is as long as Aaron, as enough. long as Gary Cole is still elite, yes. Well, that's a whole other topic for a whole other that's a whole other day. But uh, again, like we've said this a million times, when Cole is, you paid Cole to win a championship in his first couple of years. Yeah, you have Judge in the prime of his career. You have Stanton, who is not going to get any better going forward. He's this is the time where you have to play Stanton in the outfield and get the best and out of him been, that you can. He's been terrific. He was terrific when he played the outfield in the second half of the year. If you get that. If you replicate what Stanton did 
from August on, he's going to win the freaking MVP. Okay. That's how good he was in the second half. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, there, there's no disagreement from here. You know, you know damn well that I agree that this is, this but, is the window. So that's like, a, the window is, is getting close. It's getting, uh, it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. There's other things around the roster and let's do that next is there, there was a, there was, um, Ilya created a graphic that went on, on our social media to complete the Yankees offseason with a $10 budget. And then there's the, the squares where you have $4 options, $3 options, $2 options, $1 options, and you have 10 bucks to complete the Yankees offseason. These things go, go around social media all the time for various different topics. But the free agent options for $4, you can sign Carlos Correa. For 3 bucks, you can sign Freddie Freeman. For 2 Trevor Story. And for 1 buck, you can get Anthony Rizzo. For the trade options, $4, Brian Reynolds, fantastic center fielder of the Pittsburgh Pirates. You can trade for Matt Olson from the A's for 3 bucks. You can trade for Jesse Winker, a left fielder for the Reds, for 2 Or you can get Wilson Contreras from the Cubs for a dollar. Uh, trades and free agent pitching, starting pitching, $4, Luis Castillo. $3, trade with the A's for Chris Bassett. $2, Colors for own. And one dollar, uh, Alicer. I don't know how to say his first name. Alacer, Alacer Hernandez. Then the relief pitching, which I think everyone should just ignore, is four dollars for Josh Hader, three dollars for David Bender, uh, two dollars for Kenley Jansen, and a dollar for Ryan Tepper. So, what are you doing, Scott? What are you doing with this? With your ten dollars of of cash to spend to complete the Yankees offseason? Yeah, just to just to put a bow on the structure here a little bit for everybody listening, it might be hard to follow this. But um, first of all, go to our social accounts and, and check out the graphic because it makes it much more clear. Um, but ten bucks, you can only take one person. So there are there's a structure here that nobody on Twitter and the comments listen to. But uh, you you need to read what the rules are to to get this. So I, what I did this, I did it within the structure. Uh, within the current player, within the players that were uh, given to me within this scenario. So I like this this type of thing. I can't go outside the box. I got to stay in the box and choose one box on, on one row. You can only choose one player for $4, one player for $3, one player for two, and one player for one. So you have to choose one of the four within that category. Um, uh, as, much, as much as I, you know, this is not the, where I went with this would not be where I would go without this exercise. So I need to put that out there because there are reasons why I did what I did within this uh within this framework. But my my picks were at the at the $4 mark, I chose of the three options uh to to sign Carlos Correa. That gives us a gives the Yankees a shortstop. Um the uh, options of Brian Reynolds uh was too too heavy for me the the what we the Yankees would have to give up. Um Castillo Going, what is he? Twenty nine, going into his thirty year season, or going into his twenty nine season, he's been good. I don't think he's been what everybody expected him to be. He's been way too close to Sonny Gray for a couple of years now. I don't trust that. I don't trust that one bit. Um, so I can't give up Volpe for him um, within that within that framework. And Hater, you know, um, I'm just choosing to at this point go for the um, the free agent. Just, the next just one, I'm need, going. At they three. don't need significant help in the bullpen. Frankly, I agree with, and yeah, it's, it's, if we're uh, with, within the structure, you're giving up uh, within the trade pr- uh, parameters though, you're giving up Glaber Torres as well. And I'm not ready to give up on Glaber Torres. Certainly not for as a, a relief as a pitcher. second base, not for a relief pitcher. No. Um, 
the number three option is I'm going with Freddie Freeman. I'm signing. I'm signing the, the Freddie Freeman. These are the top two players on the board here. Uh, given this parameters, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm not giving up. Uh, I'm not giving up my uh, my prospects for uh, you know Bassett's a 32 year old good pitcher. He's a he's a he's a middle of the middle of the rotation guy. Um, but again, not not really going to go out. And um, if I can get, have the option between signing Freddie Freeman or trading for Matt Olson, and I don't care about what the dollars are, signing Freddie Freeman. Um, my number two options, I'm going after, I'm not signing Trevor Story. I already have a shortstop now. I'm going after Jeff, uh, Jesse Winker. I love this because it's uh, addition by subtraction at the same time. It gives me a guy who's got some power. He's got uh, hits, for, hits for average, which means he, a lot of bat to ball, contact, left-handed bat. He's gonna move. He's gonna move the um, the lineup along. Set up the guys that need to be set up. And oh, by the way, Joey Gallo's strikeouts are out of the lineup because now he is uh, he's within this in this trade. Uh, I think it's a three team trade that Ilya put together going to San Diego. Um, he he did all the numbers on on that website that that baseball, the trades and trade checked values. out. Yeah. So uh, Jesse Winker to me is you know not the defender that Gallo is, but he gives more variety in that lineup, which I like. He's actually really um, more contact. He's really, which I not like. a good defender at all. That's fine. I don't. That that doesn't bother me very much. Um, and then the first, the one dollar option between Rizzo. Already have a first baseman. Um, Contreras not interested in trading for Contreras. Uh, Hernandez looks like he had a, a ton of injuries last year, so the the rebound for him is very uncertain. And we have a we have a ton of right handed prospects that are on the verge of coming up. So. To me, it's like adding another uncertainty in the mix uh, that we're pretty deep in as far as the the starting pitcher potential. Uh, so I'm going after Tapera. Uh, Tapera, T- T- if that's how you say his name, uh, he's got really good splits. He's uh, an older guy, 34 years old, I think, but found himself. He's got a nasty slider. Um, changed his arsenal last year. Got rid of uh, a sinker that he was throwing, I think, a third of the time, and threw it started throwing it 10 of the time and relying on some of his other pitches. And he was much more effective. Huge. A lot of uh, a, a big whiff percentage, uh, which I like, and I think he was at thirteen in twenty one or twenty or in two thousand twenty. I think he was at like thirteen, uh, thirteen per nine K per nine strikeout rate, and then last year I think he was around ten. So I like him. He adds, I think, some uh, some flexibility in the bullpen and a guy that gets strikeouts. So that's uh, that's my team. I also didn't follow the rules. <laughs> well, so you need to follow the rules to do this. Then all right. Uh, I don't want to though. You have to. That's literally the point. I know that, but like part part of this is also if you like, don't follow the rules, you're setting such a terrible example. I'm not trying to for set all good of the Twitter heads who just don't there. look at things. I don't use me as an example for anything. That's my. Mind. You need to stay in the same box as I'm in, so I don't want to hear your bullshit. Fine. But part of me wanted to. Part of the challenge here, what should be the challenge here, is doing it where you can't just pick all the top guys because you don't have enough money to do it. Right, so that's uh, that's sort of how I looked at it. But that's not the game. Yeah, I know either. that's not the game. Fine, fine. So do play the game the correct okay. way. Okay. So for for the four dollar options in in that case, I will take Brian Reynolds because he's the best player out of those four dollar options. I, Carlos Correa is the best player, but I'm not signing Carlos Correa. I hate Carlos Correa. Um, so do I. But I also, again, I mean, in this part of me did not in my original plan want to trade for Brian Reynolds because I don't think center field is. The top need for the team, obviously. Agreed. Shortstop is the top need for the team, and, and you can even argue first base is a bigger need than center field. However, if I'm... So you're giving up 
uh, shortstop prospect is top shortstop. Yeah, I know. I'm going to sign a shortstop. I'm going to sign Trevor Story for two dollars, but we haven't got there yet. So I agree with you that that, but again, I think signing Carlos Correa has so many ramifications other than what he's going to do on the field for this team. Like you have to consider that when signing. Like he can be poison in that clubhouse, and then we're talking about oh, why didn't the 2022 Yankees win a championship? Oh, because Carlos Correa is an a hole. And they all hate him, and he was not good for the clubhouse. Okay, like I don't want to have to do a series of those podcasts this offseason. It's been well documented that I don't like Carlos Correa, nor do I want him on my team. But for this exercise, it was the best option. And I'm not trading Volpe for for Castillo. If I'm going to trade Volpe for one of these guys, it's going to be Brian Reynolds. I mean, he, he's in his 20s and he's an elite center fielder. Okay, so that's that that's contribution to the 2022 Yankees and beyond. For three dollars, I'm signing my guy. I'm signing my boo, Freddie Freeman, because. Clearly, Fred Freeman. No, no, no explanation needed. For two bucks, I'll, I'll I'll bring in Trevor Story. There's my shortstop. I understand Trevor Story might not profile for a long term shortstop option, but hey, win a championship now, baby. F tomorrow, and then for a dollar, um, I I, don't, I really don't want to copy you, so so I'll go with Hernandez. Ironically, trading Waldachuk, who's on this podcast. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Ken. <laughs> I was- I was, I was hoping you were going to do that, to be honest. Um, but can I yeah, tell you so what my again, plan was in not following the rules? Sure. Go ahead. I, I could redo my, if I throw the rule book out, I could do the same thing, but so let's go Sign Trevor Story. Adding up to $10? Uh, no, it didn't. Uh, well, it did. Signing Trevor Story for $2. Trade for Chris Bassett mm-hmm. for $3. Sign Freddie Freeman for $3. And then that's two extra dollars for Hal Steinbrenner to save on luxury tax. And he can invest that in the stock market. Because it's a better investment than investing in a baseball. So two dollars, yeah. you can buy it. You can buy a share of Sprint. Mm-hmm. Well, also, nice. like I'm assuming these are millions, right? No, these are just two dollars. This is a game. This is this is called the game. You can multiply it by a million, though. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. If I, so, if I'm looking at all these options and I'm going to ten bucks too, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm getting rid of Correa. It's not happening there. I, I don't want to trade Volpe at this point, to be honest. I really don't. And if, if you're signing Story and trading Volpe, you're 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 sacrificing potentially, uh, you know, what this team's going to look like in in four to five years. Because if they miss this window and Volpe is the guy that everybody says he is, um, he's going to be a really big piece of of how they transition into the next era. What about Peraza? They still have Peraza. If you trade, yeah, if you again, trade it, Volpe, it could be both. If you trade Volpe, I mean, and. and Volpe might go on to be a 10-year all-star and Peraza might just be a, a decent player, right? And then you look stupid in that case. But they're obviously, I mean, both of those guys are are in I believe, what was it, top 25 on ESPN's ranking? Yeah. So yeah. In, in a lot of cases, prospects, okay, if you're 25, if you're 17, if you're 13, like what is really the expectations and difference there? Like it might not be much. Well, you don't know what you're gonna profile as you're body continues to grow and has you, how you fill out. Yeah. Again, leading to the the same point of that I've been saying over the past couple episodes of, uh, the, the teams just don't care about the, the, um, the draft picks as much as they're saying they do too many things have to happen in four to five years for, uh, you know, a, a dividend to actually come through on, on that player. This exercise, what it highlights is that if we do get the lockout ending soon, which MLB put the deadline of the 28th end of the month in order to be able to start spring training and start the season as scheduled. The Yankees have a lot of work to do in a very short they amount They have a of lot time. of work to do. I want to ask Logan this uh, quickly. Logan, 
when the the if let's just say on Monday, which is the the are the deadline that the, the MLB has set for the season to start, we get an agreement. Yankees got to be working that week, get ready because at that point you're cramming not only to get guys on your team, but to be in the same clubhouse and to actually have a, a semblance of gelling together as a as a team. How Logan? Just curious, your thoughts here. I, I think I know what Andrew's going to say here, but like, how much do you? take stock in that of like brand new guys coming in a lot of new guys in pretty crucial situations to, you know, to actually acclimate within the team and, and to, to get some semblance of a, of a group together. It's, they got to do it fast. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I agree with you, but I think the bigger problem with that specifically is that it's not going to be on day one of spring training. The team is that's what the team is. The team is going to be ever changing through those four weeks because there's no free agency period. There's the free agents joining the team as those weeks go on. So the team isn't set until probably even after opening day, when you really think about it. I mean, look back on a few yeah. years ago when Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel sat out until whenever they sat out months into the season, you have 300 free right. agents that still aren't signed. So I think that's a big deal. And they, the team's not going to be set yeah. for them to gel together. You're right. So, that, I mean, that, that kind of like elevates the point of, of what I was trying to say. If I didn't say it correctly, it's like, yeah, that, that is the team chemistry thing. They're not going to have time for that as you would normally in a spring training. And some people are like, you know, chemistry, you know, eye test, forget it. Like, you know, just throw the numbers out. This is what they'll be. Um, but I, I believe that that is a real thing at some point. You have to get, you know, a, a good feeling in that clubhouse and in that dugout on a day-to-day basis. And you're right. You're right. They may not. They're not going to sign on day one. I think a lot of the big guys will probably drop that first week. But you're going to be signing guys depending on how the negotiations are going throughout spring training, and they're going to be working out on their own and then acclimating as they get in. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough situation. There's also the human element to all of this. If let's use Freddie Freeman as an example, he's established in Atlanta. His family lives in Atlanta. If the Yankees sign him, he has to move his entire family to New York. Okay, that's normally something. Does he? don't have to but like a lot i mean if you sign a long-term contract you're likely moving to the to the place you just signed if you're a one-year guy and you're going to be bouncing around maybe you don't but do you think freddie freeman's going to want to commute to atlanta like whatever no so so what i'm saying is that normally you sign a free agent deal in november or december you have months to prepare and move your family now you're going to sign on monday and on tuesday you're going to have to fly to tampa for spring training So it's going to, yeah, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of shuffling in the back. There's no doubt. You're right. And those things affect human performance on field. They do. They just do. They have to. This is, this is, I mean, yeah, whatever the nerds, the nerds don't recognize that. Yeah. Well, they do because there's still a human element to the game, no matter how much people want to deny it. And people have good days. People have bad days and those things affect it. So anyway, um, we did get a couple of lockout updates this week. And I, I didn't want to spend a ton of time on the lockout because I'm really just tired of talking. About you wanted it. to spend zero time on the lockout. I did want to spend zero time on the lockout because <laughs> I, I'd be actually curious, like from listeners, what they think, right? Like, do they care about us talking about the lockout? Like, where are they getting their lockout news? Like you see it in, in email every day. If you're subscribed to the MLB, you know, news feed, every single person, Ken Rosenthal, Jeff Passan, all, all of the big guys cover the lockout stuff on a weekly basis. Like, and at this point, when you see that the meetings, every day they're meeting, and finally they're meeting for like a significant amount of time instead of just 15-minute bullshit And they're doing meetings. it every day, it seems, or 
very close yeah, to every but day. They're, so they're, they're, the urgency is certainly there. Is it? Because every day I see the updates and, oh, MLB upped their pre-arbitration pool from $15 million to $20 million. Oh, they it decreased the lot or they increased the lottery draft picks from three to four. It's like they're moving him inches at a time, guys. Like, really? yeah, but they're doing it every day now, so it's not two months in between at least. It's just so, so the inches so will silly. you know add up to a foot in the end of the week. It's so silly. It's so silly. It, it, it does seem like they're starting to look. There's movement on these these areas. Whether they need to get reported every single time of like the slight movements to me that. You know, I could go either way. I would try to keep that as much in-house as possible, but you can't do that at this point. Um, so they're still far apart on on uh, what the, the the bonus pool. They're still a hundred million apart, and they have to they have to fix that number. That and the and the tax number. They're they're super right. far off in the tax number. MLB PA, excuse me, the MLB owners say it's a non-starter. We're not we're not dealing with that, and the and the players are saying no, it has to be higher. Can't you can't suppress spending, and they they didn't even talk about that in their five hour meeting. Okay, so yeah, you're saying yeah. they're moving closer. They're moving closer on stuff that they don't care about. Again, softballs. You gotta you gotta like throw some. When's some when are the fastballs? Fast when are the fastballs? Get, get that good feeling going. Is it gonna be Monday? Monday at February twenty eighth at eleven fifty nine p.m. Oh, that we got a deal. Yeah, probably. I hope so because otherwise we're not. <laughs> yeah. If 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 we're not if we're not getting that report at 11:59 and they're not going down to the wire for this like then yeah, we're we're you know, we're we're talking about shortened season or doubleheaders or seven-inning clown show games and all these things. The MLBPA declined for mediation again or moderate was it a moderator or a mediator? I forget what. The mediator or a moderator this or that tomato tomato and and I guess they had a, a mediator. A, smaller, a moderator is just like a point guard. A smaller a meeting. Is like, it was a two-on-two meeting versus having. All, I like all that. I like that. Room. More personal connection. A lot of a lot of good conversations happening. Yeah, one-to-one conversations potentially. Someone's got to go to the bathroom. Another guy's got to get a smoke break. Now you got one-on-one. A lot of things can happen on one-on-one. The uh, we need a courtroom reporter. The <laughs> I want a courtroom artist. That's what we need. I want we a need, courtroom artist. <laughs> Yeah, we need we need this on like court TV so that we can be in the courtroom C-span. while they're mediating. C-SPAN should yeah. stream this. Yeah, at least give us something. Would you watch? Yeah, I would actually. I would definitely have it on my. I would be sitting at my desk with it on the other monitor, and and I would have it on. In the I can't imagine like a more boring stream, frankly. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> you know, there'll be characters about like everybody will will come up with their own. Um, reasons why people are acting a certain way. It would be great. It would be very good for social media. Yeah. So uh, the reason I wanted to like not ignore the lockout, but I, I am we're we're talking about things that ultimately are going to change today because they're meeting again today, and they're going to change on Thursday, and they're going to change on Friday. Like every day, they're upping their offers by small increments until eventually. Okay, let's talk about the pre-arbitration pool. The uh, the the union wants 115 million for 150 players. The owners want 20 million for 30 players. Where what's your prediction on where that those two things are going to land? Um uh so MLB wants 20 for 30, MLBPA wants uh I think it's going to land around 50 to 60 million and I think it's going to be for I don't know, double the 30, so 60. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's going to be about in the middle of those two numbers. We all know it. They yeah. know it. Just fucking cut to the chase and agree on it already. 
Someone's got to be a dollar higher or a dollar lower so they win. <laughs> yeah, someone needs a precedent. If someone needs Look, 49%, the other one needs 51%. I'm not joking. The, but that's what's happening right now. They're all jockeying for precedent for the next one now. This is a very real thing. They are absolutely making sure that when they are making these uh, these leaps and these these you know these back and forth negotiations on day to day, they can't do too much in a day because then precedent. You can't do you can't end up too far. Precedent. They're all thinking the next CBA, the, the CBA after that, the CBA after that. The owners are at least. The players have to be living in, in the moment a, a, a bit more, I'd say. But they're also conscious of this. But the the owners rooted in precedent. This is where my impatience would get the bet. That that stops them from getting too greedy, the players, the precedent yeah, does, no, because I of know. what they've, even the increase that they've done over the past years. They're, they're consistently going back to that and and, and pointing to Yeah, it. the owners are more, more concerned with the long-term. I mean, the players are concerned with the long-term too, because the union ultimately wants to set up for future CBAs. But all the current players only care about this current CBA because that's what's going to affect them the greatest. You got a guy like Max Scherzer in there who's like, you know, looking at he the He doesn't. The, the what the hell is point? Max Scherzer caring about? The guy's well, banked 200-something million dollars. Exactly. Exa- that's my point. He doesn't need to look at the right now. He can look towards the future because he's good. <laughs> he's in a good spot. He doesn't necessarily, he doesn't get affected by anything that happens in this room. This is He's looking now towards the future of the players. The players are putting their, their trust in the crazy ass eyed. I mean, that's pretty good tactic. I'm not going to lie. You got two on two and one of them's got the crazy eyes of Max Scherzer. It's a nice, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good move. Solid move. So intimidation wise. <clears throat> Max Scherzer crazy. That would that would throw me for a, a little bit. I'd have to strategize around that. Isn't it funny how like if you have crazy eyes, how people react to it differently? Like crazy eyes in my starting pitcher, good. Crazy eyes in my NFL coach, bad with Adam Gase. It's like two totally different yeah, reactions. I mean, his crazy eyes thing. were different though. His his crazy eyes were very different. But like crazy eye, crazy eye pitcher, like I'm all for it. That is actually intimidating for the hitter. It's like, yeah. is this guy cross-eyed? Am I going to get drilled in the head with a 99 mile an hour fastball? <laughs> right. Like you don't know yeah. that. Hey, a little uncertainty on the pitcher's mound. Never hurt anybody. So this is where I just am getting tired with it because I see the, the two sides inching closer and I just want a deal to get done. So we can, next podcast, I would love to talk about, oh, the Yankees did this in free agency or they did this on the trade market. Like I would love to talk about that stuff and get excited for this. Can season. you just talk about how, uh, let's go the opposite route here. Let's go a different strategy. Let's turn this one on its head. How excited are you to talk about the MLB lockout and, uh, and all of the negotiations that are happening? You're, you're fired up for that, aren't you? Cause you don't get what you want. Just talk, tell, tell us, uh, tell us what you're excited for. I mean, the lockout news, right? I get fired up excited for about, it. I can get fired up about anything. Fired up about lockout news. Let's go. I'm ready for it. This is going to be great next week. It's going to be inching closer. Monday's not going to happen. It's awesome. None of this is going to happen. Leanne and I had, had an argument the other day, like a week ago, about champagne. And how she was. we had people over for Harrison's birthday. She wanted to serve champagne. I was like, well, like no one just drinks champagne. Like you, yeah. you, you do mimosas or you do something. Like no one just drinks right. straight champagne. Or a ce- It's a celebration. But are you celebrating to a one-year-old's Birthday with champagne. We have That's so little... much champagne, dude. Like people just give you champagne for like for your engagement. Yeah. Like you... Prosecco or like the dry champagne? Because there's mostly a Prosecco, but it's like people give Prosecco way too much. But it's days. like you have you end up Prosecco is trash. You end up with like seven bottles. Why do you end up with seven bottles? Because no one fucking drinks it. So you never drink it. You only open it to celebrate something, and then there's three quarters of the bottle left because no one drinks it, and you dump it down the drain. That it's a scam. It's a Prosecco scam. I would go out. I'm going to go on. A, here's this is a bold take here, but um, 
I'm going to go out on a limb. I have zero data to back this up. But I would say that Prosecco is a top three re-gift. Oh, definitely. It might be number one. Top three re-gift. It's champagne, because yeah. number one re-gift. No one drinks it. Number one even when you Even when you put it into a mimosa, it makes it way too sweet. Way too sweet. That's what the orange juice is for. And you only need the orange juice for coloring, to be honest. <laughs> Mimosas are gross all around. But no, they're no, not. Bloody Marys all the way. If you're going a brunch I mean, cocktail, Bloody Marys. No, mimosas are trash. So it depends what you're trying to do. I'm never trying to drink champagne. Never, ever, never. And, no, and so my argument was that no one drinks champagne, especially no one drinks straight champagne. That's lunacy. Like you're a psycho. If you're just drinking glasses of straight champagne, you're in for the worst morning of your life. If you get drunk on that champagne. is not what it's there for. It is not there for that. It is for a celebration, a toast. You drink it in occasions. If you start drinking it like wine, then you're ruining the image and the brand of champagne. You're ruining your Prosecco is trying to do that by saying it's sweet. It's like the Boone's Farm of champagne. It's trash. Don't don't do it. Don't give it. Don't drink it. We should all just put it in the recycling right now. Your, the full box. Your your thing of champagne being the number one regift. It I think it's for in a no, land prosecco, slide. not champagne. Whatever prosecco, it, it's prosecco, not prosecco. Whatever First it is, it's definitely the number one. Deserve the name. It doesn't deserve the what? What is like? What's number two? Because I don't even think there's a number two. I think prosecco is far Appliances. away. A, a, a toaster of. No. That's a, that's like a that's like a TV trope. Okay, no one's regifting. Chocolates. Chocolates. Chocolates a good one, I guess. Chocolates. Again. What do you give? What do you give teachers? That whatever that is. Because <laughs> <laughs> my wife comes home with it all the time of just a pile of shit that people regift that they oh, don't. Right. Want. Yeah. That's what Bevin's, Bevin's a teacher. She probably. I guess no one's giving prosecco though to a teacher because that's kind of inappropriate. No, but that would be that would be a better alternative for the prosecco. I guess if, if if it's going to a teacher at that point, they would appreciate that. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. But this episode is not over. We talked to Ken Waldachuk for 20, 25 minutes. Really fun interview. Getting into his psyche on the mound. There's a fun nugget in here where he talks about uh, something that he does before he works out and before he pitches that uh, makes his bottle body tingle. And I made the comparison oh. to Roger Clemens. So definitely stay tuned for that. Oh. Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Any last words, Scott? No, I'm fired up for the for the uh, for the lockout news next week though. I'm fired <laughs> up for debating, you know, the where well, the where the middle it should be is. over, right? It should be over if if the if well, the twenty eighth yeah, deadline I'm, Hey, whatever it is, you know, I'll offer. I'm offering my services uh, as a mediator or a moderator to MLB if they if they if they need right. someone. New. Uh, end it right now with predictions, Scott. By next episode, do we have a new CBA? No, <laughs> Logan. Do we have a new CBA by next episode? Yes. Okay, I think so. I'm also going to go with yes. So. Oh wow. The yes is win. See, look okay. at me being Mr. Positive. Stay tuned for the for the Ken interview. Talk to you guys next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Okay, very happy to bring on to the podcast now Ken Waldachuk, Yankees pitching prospect. Ken, what's going on, man? Thank you for joining. Yeah, it's nice to be here. You in, you're in uh, Florida, right? Down in Tampa at camp? 
Yeah, we're done. I think this is like week week four of being here. Yeah. yeah. Well. Is it is it weird? Is it weird with all the lockout stuff going on right now? Uh, I mean, I'm not personally too affected by it. Um, but uh, but but the big league camp would be going on right now, and like you guys obviously are aware of everything going on. It's not going on, so you're. It, I don't know. I was just curious if like the vibe around around the non forty man camp is. Uh, if it's being talked about or if you guys just head down, hey, let's play some baseball. Uh, definitely more the latter. I think the weirdest part's like kind of seeing guys um that like I played with that are now on the 40 man. You'll see them like off the field, but then <laughs> but then you're like, all right, yeah. I'll see you. See you when I see you, I guess. Like <laughs> Yeah. How how closely are you really following all that stuff? Uh I would say not not too closely. Uh like I'd say I check it. I check in probably like once a day on Twitter, see what, see what the the Twitter reportings are. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's probably a good that's a healthy way I think for you to be looking at it. Like you you can't be concerning yourself with that stuff. I mean obviously it's hopefully going to impact your life in the next couple of years. But right now you're just trying to trying to prove to the Yankees that they should add you to the forty man roster. Right? That's your number one concern. Yeah, that's kind of the number one concern. I'm just, yeah, I kind of. Uh, I think my mom would say, uh, best saying was like, don't, don't worry about things you can't change. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I mean, that's good. I mean, I guess as a baseball player though, and especially as a pitcher, that's like, you gotta, you kind of got to have that mentality, right? Like I'm focused on this hitter. How do I get this hitter out? Uh, and then, and then, you know, not worry about all the other stuff that's going on. Let me just block that out and attack this hitter. Right. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that sort of, um, you know, if you could describe your your ma- your mound mentality, like how you when you take the mound, um, you know, because like there's there's stories of pitchers who like get really hyped up before they go out to mound. I always reference that Roger Clemens used to rub his body down in icy hot and just like because he's a freak, and so it's just like he would get just so amped up before he went out to the mound. And then other guys before they would go out there, you know, they'd they'd be taking a nap or something, just just mellowed out. Like where where do you fall on that spectrum? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm as far off the deep end as uh, Roger Clemens, but <laughs> um, I'm definitely closer to that side where um, we're all like have a good amount of caffeine, uh, some beta alanine, which I don't know if you've ever taken that, but it, like makes your skin like super itchy. So it makes you like I have not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll take all that. Wait, wait, hold on. Why, why, why are you taking that? If, oh, it's just so that's just a side effect. Um, yeah, it's like more. It. I'm trying to think of like a good. It kind of like helps with like blood flow, I guess. Okay. But it just yeah, it just kind of like awakens you even more. So you add that to the caffeine. Uh, <laughs> and it just feels yeah. like your skin is crawling. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that sounds fucking awful, man. Like that yeah, does not no. sound pleasant. <laughs> if, if I wasn't pitching or lifting, I would I wouldn't take any of it, honestly. <laughs> oh, so you do it when you're lifting too. Yeah, just. Something like get you uh get you a little more awake, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I guess me in a desk job, I don't really need that as much as you do taking the mound. <laughs> yeah, I, I highly recommend it if you're like if you like have a big, big lift day or something or gotta gotta put up some numbers, it's kinda like it's almost like icy hot the way. <laughs> not like <laughs> maybe not as painful or numbing. 
I mean, it's just the modern, maybe it's the modern day icy hot. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you said you're not as off the deep end as Roger Clemens, but I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't do the icy hot stuff. That's, that's like a step, step too far. Maybe, maybe in the future, but yeah. So how many coffees are we talking? We're probably, probably talking like two, two coffees and an energy drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All before you take them out. You also having a meal with this, so you're just getting some ca- like some calories in your stomach. Oh yeah, not well just yeah, yeah. It's like throughout the day, so it'll be like a coffee when I okay. wake up, and then coffee when you get to the field. A couple meals mixed in, and then like the energy drink, like right before you go out. Yeah, uh, we had. Um, I don't know. Do you know who Ben Heller is? He he's a former Yankee pitching prospect. Um, I actually don't know where he is right now. Uh, anyway, we had him on the show a while back. And it, we just sort of started talking about how he kills time in the bullpen. And so one question I asked him, and I'm curious how you answer. So if you're in the middle of, of an outing, right, and you got and you got to really use the bathroom, maybe from all the coffee and the energy drinks, like mm-hmm. what's your play there? Are, are you trying to just hold it until your your outing is done, or are you just racing to the bathroom in between innings? Man, I, I think I'm just taking a tums. I think I think with my luck, <laughs> with my luck. Uh, you know, I you race to the bathroom, you check your phone to see how how the inning's going. There's already two outs, and then you might have to. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> yell down the hall. Yeah. Hey, tell the guy to take a few pitches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell him to tell him to take well, all, every pitch that next to bad, and I'll buy him buy him dinner or something. <laughs> well, there was that viral moment from a couple seasons ago where Araldis Chapman had a little accident on the mound. So, I did. I did hear you, about you just, that. You don't want that to happen no. to you, basically, is what I'm saying. I mean, those Yankee, those Yankee white pants with those pinstripes, it's going to be noticeable. Yeah, yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> so, uh, so obviously, um, you know, you've over the past, you've come into professional baseball at like a really difficult time um, during the pandemic. Your seat, your you had a, a season stripped from you, basically, where you were not able to to pitch in pro ball. Uh, how, how were you able to, to, I guess, continue your development during that time? And do you think you have been able to, uh, do you think you'd be anywhere else now had it not been for the pandemic? Like, do you think you'd be further along in your progress? Um, honestly, I thought the pandemic, honestly, it kind of helped. Um, just, I was, I kind of was a little underweight coming into 2020. So, uh wasn't really throwing too hard and wasn't getting the best results. Uh, so over the pandemic, I kind of just like shut down for a time and just focused on like gaining that weight back. And, and then once I gained it back, I started like getting on a velocity program and learning how to move. And I think the amount of like having that year off actually kind of ended up helping me in the long run almost. Um, I want to say my like first bullpen over that pandemic was like 86 to 88. And then, <laughs> By the time I threw my first live, I think I averaged ninety six, or like maybe ninety five five. Significant like touch ninety eight. So I think all in all, like it kind of almost helped, uh, mm. development wise, uh, to have that year off. That's actually really interesting. I, I would not have guessed that. I would have thought that you would have lost some development time because you're not, you know, competing every day, but. 
the way you describe it, you're able to focus more on on other things rather than just preparing for games day in and day out. Um, it, that sort of does make sense. So, so that's really interesting. I, I'm I'm wondering, like, you know, because you not everyone was without baseball. Obviously, there were some guys in those um, sort of uh, like what would they call them? They they were like the the um, not official camps, but like they were oh, like the the the, the, the bubble squad. camps or whatever. whatever. Or yeah, al- but like they were alternate, yeah, site? The, alternate site. Thank you. That was it. Alternate site games. And it's like you'd watch like like clips of them and they're just like playing simulated games. Basically, it's like a glorified practice. I can't imagine that was helpful in any way. Like they're just out there shagging fly balls and stuff like you can only you can only do so much at alternate site camp. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only way the pandemic would have hurt actually would have been kind of that whole like facing facing other batters and learning getting experience like about how to how to pitch you guys but yeah i think as far as the scrimmages i feel like that it would help to be in the those game situations all the time but at the same time you're facing the same guys over and over again so like are you really learning too much about like how to pitch you guys and like making mistakes or like yeah i feel like it wouldn't really help too much in terms of like building like a, a scouting report on like other hitters why not yeah and is that something as you because you went from college to rookie ball in the matter of a month so is when you get to rookie ball that that first time it's like you don't know any of those players like maybe maybe you maybe you did compete against some of them in college uh, i'm not sure but but for the most part like you're just thrown into the fire are you focused on scouting reports at that point or are you more just focused on making sure your work is where it needs to be and your mechanics are right yeah probably the latter um we would get a scout report on the hitters the day of the game or like the day before and it would just it was a lot simpler than like what it was this last year but it would just be like um misses misses like in zone on like what pitches like what do they chase like basically their averages on pitches in like different parts of the zones. So you kind of see that. And then rookie ball, like everyone, pitchers included, have like holes in their game. So like reading a scouting report was a lot easier. You could kind of like say, all right, he misses curveballs and sliders away, like stuff that moves away from him. He's not very good with, so I'm going to stick with that. Or, mm-hmm. or uh, he's 0 for 15 on pitches above the zone. Like I need to get ahead. And then once I do, I'll go up there stuff like that is that a game that you like playing do you like thinking through that stuff on the mound i actually didn't wasn't really into that until uh i got promoted to double a and then they get the scouting report on you too so they'll study it so you'll <laughs> yeah. you'll like throw you'll be ahead like oh two one two and you'll throw what you think was a decent pitch but they'll just be sitting on it and if you mess up a tiny bit and they know it's coming then it's tur- O2 turns into a ball over the left field fence, and then you're just yeah. sitting there on the mound, like, wow, I guess that I got that. That doesn't happen one. in college. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> like, happen. Shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, was that the biggest talent jump that you've experienced so far? Was at double A? Uh, yeah, to this point, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I was able to hold my own, uh, especially once I had a couple games under my belt at that level, but definitely like right off the bat like watching how guys like sit on stuff and kind of having to build those scouting reports and like see what they're trying to do and uh 
trying to find like those holes, I think it was definitely, definitely like a big talent jump. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard that from other people who cover the minor leagues is that a lot of times when prospects get um, hung up is at the double A level. Like that's the big talent jump. So like making it through the double A jump is like, it's really difficult. And, and I mean, you're, ch- it's crazy. You're trying to do something that so few people have done. Um, and, and so being able to make it from double A, you know, you're, you're obviously eyeing triple A and then, and then the majors pretty soon. How, how do you sort of keep that all into perspective and not let, um, you know, not let the, the final thing of making the major leagues, like how, is that something that you're, I'm just curious, like, is that something that you're trying to think, okay, by this time, by end of 2022, I want to be in the majors or are you just sort of taking it in stride? Uh, yeah, probably just taking it in stride. Um, I mean, yeah, the goal is obviously to be up there as soon as possible, but I think the best way for me to think about it is just like to think of it as like a process and like just kind of like attacking the weak parts of my own game and like just constantly trying to improve that. So like if I'm bad at throwing changeups in attack counts, like right now, that's what I would want to work on. And then once mm-hmm. I get to season, I might like be good at that, but then I might be bad at throwing curveballs with two strikes. So then I might want to work on that. And I think the end goal is just to develop into the best pitcher I can be. And then if that's a big league pitcher, then it's a big league pitcher. Yeah. Is there, because uh, reading scouting reports, obviously there's comparisons to, to guys. I, I think it's unfair that literally every Yankee lefty prospect gets compared to Andy Pettit because it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, he was one of the best Yankee pitchers of all time. Sure. Compare him to Andy Pettit. It's just like a bar that's just sort of unfair to young kids, in my opinion. Do you see any similarities to yourself and your style in Andy Pettit? And and if not, who who in the league now do you think that you have a similar style to? Um, yeah, I, I would say I definitely throw a lot different of pitches than Andy Pettit. Um, I might have a little more of like a high effort, uh, like pitching motion. But mm-hmm. I think the one I've seen or the the guy I've I've tried to emulate mechanics was actually a, I mean, I think it's, I think it's Trevor Rogers, the, the lefty on the Marlins. Oh, uh, oh, okay. On the Marlins, uh, the Yankees used to have a lefty Rogers, but that's not who you're speaking of, right? He was in the, he was in the minor league system. Yeah. But that's not who you, I don't think that's who you're speaking of. Uh, okay. Trevor Rogers. I, I'll have to, I'll have to look him up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean that that's that's interesting. It's like obviously you can borrow things from from guys, but ultimately you have to, you know, figure out how how you're going to be able to perform. Um, but yeah, I just it's I I've read the Andy Pettit comparison. I'm like, "All right, guys, let, let, let's let's relax. Let, let let the prospects do what they may versus just trying to always compare them to uh to someone that that but I guess that's what gets fans excited, right? It's like we, you know, fans are trying to learn about you. They're trying to get excited about you as you come up through the system and they obviously know who Andy Pettit is. So uh does that does those do those sorts of comparisons bother you at all? Uh not too much. No. I mean, I kind of get what you're saying. Like fans like see a prospect and they're like, all right, who's he gonna be like? And then Yeah. And then they see like, oh, he's gonna be like Andy Pettit, like he's gonna be the next one. And like they'll yeah. get super excited about that. But you can definitely see what like what you're saying. It's like okay, Andy Pettit, he won he won like 18 playoff games. Like it's yeah. a pretty freaking high it's bar pretty, to set. Yeah, it's but. a pretty high expectation. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just, I mean, the expectation, but that's, that's being a Yankee, man. I mean, unfortunately, fans have high expectations that the organization obviously has high expectations. When you were drafted by the Yankees, what was your, what was your initial gut reaction? Uh, I was pretty excited. Uh, I mean, it was pretty nerve wracking just to sit there during draft day and just be like, all right, when am I, when am I going to go? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, went, I heard I was like that they were interested uh, the day of or day two of the draft. And I was like, that would be awesome to be in a team like with great like player development and great resources and, and like probably one of the biggest marketed teams in, in baseball. So yeah. I was I was super pumped. And then once it happened, I was just it was just a big relief, like and just <clears throat> I was just ready to get to work. Yeah, is that so on draft day, is that just like constantly checking your phone for updates? Like, I, I don't know, calling your manager, calling your agent or something or, or anything like that? Uh, most It was mostly uh, texts uh, for me. Maybe it might be different for others, but it's mostly just like, hey, where are you hearing? Uh, there's like teams, big, hey, would you take like this much, this much? For me, I'm, I'm awful at negotiating. So I'm just like, hey, just talk to... <laughs> <laughs> Just talk to my agent. Uh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I can't don't worry about this. You, Let them worry about yeah. the negotiations. Just just make sure the check's clear and let them worry about the negotiations. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely pretty hectic though. Yeah. What what did you do right after you got the news? Like, what was the first thing that you did? I think I actually, I think I had an interview with, I want to say it was Pinstripe Prospects. Yeah, yeah. So I think I, yeah, so, so I, I think you, I did like you a, did it. They contacted you right away. <laughs> yeah, I think I did that, and then by the time that was over, I had like a bunch of texts from like buddies, yeah, uh, a bunch of like congratulations, like DMs and stuff. Uh, so I kind of answered that. Those like called back some buddies that like called during that uh, interview, and then I think I ended up going to. I think I went to dinner after that. I just had a had a pretty. Just, all night like celebrate with my family yeah well do you have a celebratory drink or anything like that you you get loose a little bit i don't know if i might i might have had a beer but yeah all in all i think <laughs> i think i ended up going to bed at something like 11 <laughs> that night <laughs> yeah um were there any other serious teams that you were hearing you know as the draft day was going on that maybe you'd get drafted by uh, I honestly can't really remember too many of them. Um, I know there's like a couple on just like, I'm like 60, 70% sure. So I don't really want to say if uh, I don't exactly like remember if they were the actual teams that were interested or not. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like ultimately though, like, I mean, you care where you're drafted. I'd imagine you care, but was there, I mean, you grew up in SoCal, right? So, so I don't know, were you, did you follow baseball as a kid growing up or were you, you know, plenty of players don't really follow it. They just play it. But were you a baseball fan? Yeah, I was a big, I guess I was a Giants fan and a Khalil Green fan growing up. My dad's from the Bay area. So I kind of, kind of just rooted for those teams but then like i'd like playing baseball a lot so we'd go to i think peco peco park had a deal with it was like five dollars to sit on the lawn and then they had yeah. this little wiffle ball field 
So we would always go to like games and like watch them play. And then we'd play like wiffle ball until like, the, I want to say the sixth inning or something, then watch the last like three innings. It seemed nice. like Leo Green was always like the guy that came up with like the big hit. So he was like my favorite player. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, ironically, in the news today, that was why Paul O'Neill was my favorite player growing up, because he always seemed to get the big hit and he's getting his number retired. Uh, the news just came out. But um, yeah, I was just curious if, like, you, if, you know, would you have perf- not preferred, but like, were you like, was there always a fantasy, like, oh, maybe the Giants will draft me because, because that was my childhood team, or maybe the Padres will draft me because that's my hometown, hometown team? Uh, yeah, there's a little bit. Like, I met with both of those teams before the draft, so I, I knew, um, I knew I'd be gone by the, um, by the fifth round at least. So, like, watching the draft, I was like, all right, like, someone might draft me, uh, that I might root for. Maybe it's an organization where, like, one of my friends or has already been drafted. It was a little bit of that, but all in all, I was just like, kind of like waiting for a. For, uh, what's it called? For the Yankees to draft me. So. Yeah. Did you know anyone in the organization, or was this just like uh, everyone that you were going into is just complete stranger? Uh, yeah, I knew um, Matt McGarry, who's uh with us. Uh, he actually ended up getting released the same year. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, actually, Kevin Milam got drafted with me, and he was actually my college roommate. Uh, oh, cool. So that was pretty. That made it pretty easy, uh, and then Oliver, yeah, yeah, and then Oliver Dunn, who I played with in a, the Cape Cod League, also went. So I knew I did. How, I knew a couple people. That's good. I mean, just knowing a few people to just not feel completely out of your element has got to be just a comforting feeling. How was that? How was your experience in the Cape Cod League? I've gone to. I'm from New England originally, so I've I've gone to those games a few times. It seems like a blast. Yeah, it was a uh, definitely pretty pretty hard league with like the talent there and we we're actually out in a in Wareham not not so not like on the actual cape so it was like pretty hot every day <laughs> it's definitely definitely still kind of a grind compared to compared yeah. to other teams maybe I feel like that's a that's like an initiation that so many college players go through is playing in the cape league but it seems like something that ultimately is good for your development and your growth yeah and you also get a chance to play with like so many other guys like across the country so you make a bunch of new friends and all in all it's a good experience yeah so um you know obviously spring training you know when and if there's a real spring training if the lockout ends have you you know do you have any indication if you'll be an invite to to the major league camp if and when it starts um yeah i I haven't really heard anything uh i think it's kind of something i'll think i'll just uh worry about when uh when the lockout's over yeah yeah and um you know obviously if you were to make it through triple a up to the majors as early as this season um might be in a bullpen role uh what, what would be your thoughts and feelings about pitching out of the bullpen uh this this season yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed. Um, I actually, I was a reliever my freshman year of college. Um, I think I logged twenty, like twenty three, twenty four appearances out of the pen that year. Uh, and I even last year had to come in for a couple of piggyback outings. So, 
It's definitely not yeah. something that's like very foreign to me. Uh, the piggyback adding. So they're doing that in, in, in single and double A now. That's what are your, what are your thoughts on that as a starting pitcher and as a former relief pitcher? What are what are your thoughts on the opener? Uh, I mean, for me, at least I, uh, I was actually piggybacking rehab guys. So it was kind of cool okay. to like watch. I think the first one was Clark Schmidt and then mm-hmm. the second was Corey Kluber. Yeah. So like, I guess if you're piggybacking yeah. Corey Kluber, you're kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're like, all right, <laughs> like, yeah, he can he can go first. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like, as I, I guess you know, I'm obviously a baseball fan. Ilya's a baseball fan. You're a baseball player and and a, and a baseball fan. What are your thoughts on the game sort of trending in that way with openers and relievers being such a massive factor in games and starting pitchers? becoming less of a factor because they're less relied upon? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So I think the opener has has its time in its place. Uh, like, for example, if you're facing like the Braves lineup and their one, two, threes, Jorge Soler, uh, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, and Freddie Freeman, like it might be beneficial to bring like a high leverage guy out there and get through th- that core. Right. Just so that when the starter comes back in, like he doesn't have to face him, like say three times in five innings. Um, but as far as yeah, as far as like people relying on bullpen more, I think I think it's going to start trending back towards starting pitchers. Interesting. Um, just as hitters start to like get used to seeing pitchers throwing harder, I think the I think the average below last year was like ninety higher than ninety four. So yeah, it was the highest it ever was. I think it was. I think you're ninety four point four or ninety four point five or something like that. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Like yeah, something super. If, if you don't have a mid nineties fastball, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, so I think as hitters start to get, like get used to that, it might turn back towards like pitchability guys, uh, guys that can like show hitters different looks and get a good amount of outs, and kind of just save that bullpen so that maybe those heaters are ninety four every other day. They get a third day of rest, and now they're now they're like ninety six. Right. How often are you looking up at the radar gun? Yeah, I'm pretty guilty, honestly. I <laughs> there's a stadium gun. Is I'm, that is that like the equivalent of a regular person looking in the mirror whenever they they walk by a mirror? It, it's like a pitcher if he looks up at the radar gun. It's pretty that, similar. That's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I'd probably check it at least at least every third fastball, probably. Okay. And if you see like 96 or 97, are you like, all right, I- I've got it right now. Or if you see like 93, are you like, shit, I gotta, I gotta rear back on this next one. Uh, probably, probably not, not the latter. Probably if I see a good number of like, all right, I'm throwing a lot of these today. And then if I see like, yeah, like 92, 93, I'm like, all right, it's gonna, there's gonna be a lot of breaking balls today. <laughs> how uh, how early i guess in a bullpen session before the game or into the first inning do you realize my fastball is good tonight or my changeup's good tonight or i know you've been developing a slider you even mentioned like a slurve like uh, how how quickly can you figure out the feel on those pitches in each game uh i think i mean the bullpen i think is more if i can figure out like the the feel of it and the movement that might be more important than the location uh, I feel like it's always you throw awful bullpens before game, 
and then uh and then you'll go out there and you'll have feel of it instantly and those will be your best outings and then the yeah. games where you warm up independent everything's working you would kind of waste it there and you go out there and you just lose everything instantly <laughs> so i kind you of play golf <laughs> because that's how i feel on the driving range before before i go out on the golf course it's like if i if i'm striking the ball good on the driving range i know i'm gonna have a shit outing yeah i'm i try to play golf i'm not very good so, <laughs> uh but yeah yeah but that, i mean that's interesting go ahead yeah i can i was gonna say i can definitely see how that how that would happen though because hitting a ball in the driving range is completely different than like i think that's a good comparison honestly you hit a ball in the driving range and like you might slice and you'd be like, all right, whatever, I have the next one. Right. There's kind of like no stress there. And then you go out to the actual course and you're like, man, if I slice this ball, I lose it. <laughs> I'm going <gonna> to <laughs> have to play a drop. It's going to end up in the left field seats. Yeah. Like, like if you hang, like if you hang a slider. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just fascinates me because David Cohn, who's awesome on on the Yes broadcast, always talks about how there's uh, at, for for a starting pitcher, there's I believe I forget the exact percentages, but it's like twenty percent of the time a game you go out there, you're feeling it, you, you're you're good that night. The rest, you know, sixty percent of the time, it's 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 so so. You got to work through it. You got to grind it. You got to find pitches that that are going to work for you that night to get hitters out. And then he's like, yeah, 20% of the time you have nothing and you're going to get shelled. So it's really maximizing that middle ground of, I'm going to have to work at it tonight to, to get out, to so get through five, get through six, get through seven innings. So <clears throat> it always just fascinates me as a start, you know, thinking about starting pitchers who have to wait five days again before the comes around, like to use the golf analogy again, you know, I slice it into the woods. I put another ball on the tee and I just, I call mulligan. It's like, you got to wait another five days before you can go out there again. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, definitely not a part that's like pretty hard to get used to. Uh, I mean, there's definitely stuff that you can do like to kind of like by the time during it, like, you know, you can focus on like your next lift or your next bullpen or, um, or look at the scouting report and be like, all right, I did this wrong. Next time I'm going to do this. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a long wait, especially if you didn't throw well, uh, the outing before. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like? What are you doing other than the workouts and the bullpens? What are you doing to try and take your mind off, off things in between games? Like you into, you know, video games, shows, movies, like what, what's your, what's your thing to just sort of unwind? Probably, probably video games and movies are the big two. What what are you what are you gaming with? And I play a game called League of Legends. So kind of kind of nerdy, but it's like on a laptop, so it doesn't take right. too much of a setup. Yeah, it's like yeah, pretty hard. So uh, so you fail on that, and you're like, man, at least like it <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun game though. It passes the time pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important, right? It's finding something to just unwind and take your mind off things, whether it's movies, video games, or, or whatever, whatever it is. So, reading—I don't know. And many guys, many many guys that you're playing with, doing much reading. Yeah, I actually I need to start reading a little more too. Honestly, I was I was going to get into it more, and then <clears throat> the spring training happened, and <laughs> I haven't really bought any books. So. Yeah. 
I, I, I was the same way. And then I, you know, it sounds cliche, but I got a Kindle and it actually does, it did make me read more on just something, just like the ease of it, just like the size of a phone, basically being able to read. Not that I'm reading much these days, but, but Hey, it's, it's more than I was before. Exactly. That's all that matters. Um, well, uh, Ken definitely appreciate the time, man. And, uh, you know, definitely good luck this season. Going to be keeping an eye on you. Hopefully you, when spring training does start, I'd love to see you get an opportunity to, to, to have some time in big league camp and hope to see you at the majors, uh, very soon, man. Thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.